You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. Welcome to Around the Arena's Kiama Community Radio sports program, where you can regularly hear what's happening in sport across the region. This week we catch up with what's been happening in golf, football and rugby, and we'll hear from Bill Peters as he takes us back to a match in 1947 where two local teams battled out the Premiership decider and where heroic feats shone through. But firstly, in golf, Kiama's Ethan Harvey continues to add to his impressive list of victories when he won the Jack Newton Jr. Invitational recently held at Wagga Wagga. Again, Ethan showed just how mentally tough he is by winning the event in a playoff on the first playoff hole to defeat Curry Curry golfer Harry Atkinson to take out the top prize. Ethan shot rounds of 69 and 68 on the par 72 course to finish 7 under par in the two-round event. Also in golf, another Kiama golfer, William Blomley, is also firing at present, shooting a 3 under par 63 at Kiama. William works very hard at his game, and all that work is certainly paying off. Well done to both golfers. In football, the Jerringong Breakers marked their first ever Frat Cup fixture with a victory recently as they downed rivals Kiama at Ian McLennan Park. Neither team could find a winner during the 90 minutes, which saw the match head straight to penalties. It was from the spot that Andy Lockhart's Breakers showed their class, edging the Quarriers 4-1 to secure two competition points. After the match, the Breakers coach, Andy Lockhart, said, We played well and were on top for a majority of the game. The boys showed a commitment to stick to our structure and game plan. He also said, We've only been training for two weeks, so fitness let us down a little, but it's only the pre-season, so there's plenty of good signs to build on. Both the Breakers and the Quarriers will benefit from their first hit out of the year, and both teams are looking forward to a successful year. As I said earlier, Bill Peters is back this week. Our cricketers have had a dismal season due to the weather. As summer comes to an end, one could ask, did we actually have a summer? Anyway, I'll let Bill take us back to 1947. I do hope you enjoy this tale. Who doesn't want to be a hero? There's that saying that goes, not all heroes wear capes. But on the sports field, there isn't anyone amongst us who hasn't had that desire to be the person who could win the game for their team. And even better if it can be a big game. Well, games don't come much bigger than finals to decide a premiership. And sometimes it takes a hero to win it. In the first ever South Coast District season in 1946-47, Kaima took on Jamboree in the second grade final. During the regular season, both teams had won one of their clashes, but it was Jamboree who went into the game as slight favourites. The final began on Saturday afternoon, March 8th, 1947, at the neutral Shell Harbour Ground. Jamboree won the toss and elected to bat, and late on that first Saturday afternoon, they were dismissed for just 107 runs, with Hamilton top scoring of 28 and Ron Smith taking a tidy 5 for 18 for Kiama. There was tragedy for the Kiama team though, as John East's final was over just halfway through the first afternoon, when he collided with teammate Fred Pepper in attempting to take a catch. The force of the impact broke East's right forearm immediately. Both men then fell to the ground, but with East clutching his arm and unable to retain any balance, he crashed to the turf, and in the process broke his left collarbone as well. Apart from the shock it must have produced for those playing, it now also meant that for the remainder of the final, Kaima was now down to just 10 men. 
Kimer's reply began late on that first afternoon, and though they lost one of their opening batsmen, Artie Pepper, just before stumps, a scoreline of 1 for 14 chasing 107 left the match evenly poised after the first afternoon. Unfortunately, on the second Saturday, Jambrew reasserted their authority and bowled Kimer out for just 64, and a deficit of 43 runs. Eric Frederick starred to finish with 4 for 38 from a marathon spell of bowling. The one saving grace for the Kimer side was that finals were played as timeless matches in those days. In other words, they were played every Saturday afternoon until an outright result had been achieved. This of course could work against you, as Albin Park was to discover in the following season's first grade final, if a side just battered and battered. But it also meant that you would have the chance to chase down a target at some stage. For Kimer to remain in the match, they needed their bowlers to again dismiss their opponents for a low total. Jambrew's second innings followed a similar course of that of Jambrew's first innings. Small partnerships ensued, but none were allowed to blow out to become a major match winner. 22 runs from Hamilton and 23 runs from Gibson were the mainstay of the middle order, but with little else coming from the tail, Jambrew finally succumbed to be dismissed for 112 in their second innings, right on stumps of the second Saturday. An overall lead of 155. To win the match, Kimer would have to produce the highest innings of the match. Not only that, they would have to do it with only nine batsmen, for not only was John East not available to bat, but Alton Tui now pronounced that he would be unavailable to play on the following Saturday. Tough days indeed for the Kiama side. Just over an hour into their reply on the following Saturday, and Kimer, for all intents and purposes, were cooked, reduced to six for 44, with the top order swept away. Ned McAdam and John McDonald took the total to 101 before McAdam was bowled, but despite the excellent partnership, the game was as good as over. Artie Pepper joined his 18-year-old companion at the crease to begin the final partnership of the 1946-47 second grade final. He was Kimer's final available batsman. Both sides knew it, and surely the Jambrew team had already begun to celebrate the victory, if only in their minds at this stage. However, no one could have predicted the course of the match was about to take. It is a difficult thing to imagine just what the two batsmen were feeling at this time. Perhaps they still believed that they had a chance of a famous victory. Artie Pepper had opened the batting in the first innings, and John McDonald had been one of the leading batsmen for the team all season. It was a tall order, but not unachievable. The previous partnership of 56 had proven that. If they could achieve the same again, they would be the victors. Fredericks and Hamilton bowled on pushing the limits of their fitness and tenacity. At one end, Pepper stood with solid bat, not scoring any runs, but offering no chances either. He had dug himself in, willing to play the anchor role and confident in the burgeoning ability of his 18-year-old partner at the other end to force the issue and find a way to come up with the runs that were required. At the other end, John McDonald had taken on the senior partner role and was playing the innings of his life. He had begun to look to be more enterprising, knowing that one mistake could spell the end of either his or Pepper's innings. As the bowlers tied, he lifted his own intensity by turning singles into twos and trying to retain the strike for the start of every new over. When that wasn't possible, Pepper stonewalled through the following over, refusing to budge and leaving the rest for his partner. Two consecutive boundaries from one Hamilton over brought the inevitable change in the bowling attack as the game began to leak away from the home side. Incredibly, by this stage, the partnership had risen to 45, and with the momentum of the match having turned 180 degrees again, Jamboree's final roll of the dice had to be a good one. Unfortunately for Jamboree, they were unable to turn back the rising tide. 
McDonald was nervous as he took seven runs from a single Harris over before a boundary in the following over hit confidently over the field that had been brought in to stop the inevitable, brought up the winning runs. There was one remarkable aspect to that Premiership winning unbroken partnership for the 8th wicket. Of the 56 runs scored, not one came from Artie Pepper, who remained undefeated on zero. John McDonald had scored 53 runs, and there had been three sundries. McDonald finished on 80 not out, in what must have been considered one of his best ever innings. Kymer won by the official margin of three wickets, but it was truly a victory by the slimmest margin of one wicket in a final that lived up to its billing, and the team was presented with the first second grade trophy in the SCDCA competition. KCR, Kiama Community Radio. For the community, by the community. A reminder that if you wish to hear more of Bill's great historic cricket tales, you can find him at Bill Peters slashing through the covers. Thanks again, Bill. The Kiama Sevens was held over the weekend, and from all accounts, it was a great success, thanks to the hard work of Mark Bryan and the rest of his team. 44 teams came from all over the state to compete in the 49th running of this event. Matches were played in six divisions. The men's cup final was won by West Sydney Two Blues, defeating North Shoreman 15 points to 12. In the men's plate final, Manly Marlin 17 defeated West Harbour Pirates 12. The women's Vars final was won by Southern District's Reblets 20 over Warringah 5. The bowl was taken out by Shoalhaven over Hunters Hill. In the country final, the Bungendore Mudchooks were too good for Parks 26 to 12, while in the country women's final, the mighty Jindabyne Miss Piggies defended their title against the Goulburn Dirty Reds. Everyone's now looking forward to next year, it being the 50th year celebration. And in surfing, what about Alistair Day winning another Ironman competition at Kingscliff? Well done, Ali. What a tremendous surfer. That's all I have time for this week. But if you want your sport to be part of the program, contact me at kcradiocontent at gmail.com. I'm Glenn Shepherd, and I hope to see you around one of our sporting arenas. You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.